Night Nation, and welcome back to the Nightcap Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Stewart. I'm here with my co-host, Tony Cummings. How you doing, Tony? Doing great. We had a little hiatus, but we're back, ready for the football season. We got six days from the day we're recording to the home kickoff for South Carolina State. Super pumped for this UCF football season. Can't wait to talk to you about it, UCF Fan Nation. How about yourself, Sean? How do you feel? I'm really excited, Tony. I think we've waited all offseason. There's been so much talk about what this could look like. There's a lot of hype around the program, year two for Gus Malzahn. Uh, there's a lot of excitement. I, I, I feel really great about this season. I don't know about you. Dude, I feel the same way. I'm pretty sure the Night Nation feels the way. Let's go. You know, let's get this going. And by the way, before we get started, make sure you support us on our social media. For Facebook, please follow the UCF Nightcap facebook group and please follow us on instagram and twitter at ucf nightcap thanks for that tony and uh yeah we've got a great episode for you today we really want to go into all of the things going around ucf as we start the season uh first we had our our first big uh decision in the quarterback battle this week uh we'll dive right into what that means for the team going forward we're also going to dive into the season preview Uh, So we're going to talk a little bit about some of our keys to the season as we move forward into the 2022 season. What are some of the things that are going to make or break this team that's going to be the difference between uh, a bowl game, a conference championship? We'll dive in. And then Tony and I are also going to go through the entire 2022 schedule, give you a few things to look for in each game, and give our schedule predictions of where we think UCF is going to finish. I think we've got a great episode coming up. Right, Tony? Absolutely. Let's go. All right, so the first thing that we want to dive into here is the quarterback decision. We've been waiting all season, or all, all year long, really, since the spring. We heard of John Rice Plumlee coming in. We knew the, the incumbent, Mikey Keene, were going to battle it out in the spring and in the summer to figure out who was going to be the starter. We finally got the indication we've been looking for all this time. John Rice Plumlee is your 2022 QB1 for our UCF Knights. What are your thoughts? I mean, wow, uh, big question there. What are my thoughts? Uh, originally, I'm not going to lie. You know, if you heard the previous podcast, I kind of felt Mikey King was going to win the job, you know, from everything he did at the UF game. That was big for us and the whole season in general, you know. I, but, you know, if I have to be realistic, he wasn't also expected to play. DG was going to play the whole season, but he got injured. That's why Mikey King had to step up to the plate. But with that being said, JRP also went through the same situation. When he actually got that playing time, all the highlights that we've seen about him was because his starting quarterback got hurt as well. So, um, with that being said, my thoughts are... Well, before we get into the JRP thought, my thoughts are in general that, um, you know, hopefully JRP is a senior and Keen's a freshman, uh, actually a sophomore now, a true sophomore, that uh, hopefully, uh, you know, JRP can do his thing this year and maybe Keen has another shot to go at it, but we'll see how that goes. I know you got some thoughts on that. But the question was about JRP. So JRP itself, man, those old Miss highlights were very, very exciting. I mean, the way he lit up LSU, that game by itself is uh, whew, super pumped, super excited about that game. But, you know, like I've heard uh, just speaking off the podcast earlier, Sean Stewart made a comment that JRP could be the key to the could be the key to unlock the season. You know, the Gus Malson key. You know, he's not Cam Newton, but a lot of people are saying that JRP reminds him of Nick Marshall. So, I mean, just so much to say about this QB decision. So what are your thoughts? Well, you know, I think if, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the previous episodes because I think if you go back and you, you listen to our thoughts going into training camp about who we thought might have uh, have the upper hand here, 
personally, I've always thought that the John Rice Plum Lee was sure did. here for a very specific reason. Sure and, and no offense to Mikey Keene. I think Mikey Keene has an amazing arm, is a great pocket passer who can have a lot of success uh, in college football and can have a lot of success in his career. But having said that, certain offenses really are dictated by what skill set their quarterbacks have. And when you look at the, the Josh Heupel offense, it was – you know, not a lot of mobility needed from the quarterback. It was entirely being able to throw accurately down the field. And Keene did that in spades, which is why he was a great fit to come to UCF with Josh Heupel. Now, when you think about bringing Malzahn in, what are some of the things that he needs? Well, he runs a, an RPO system, a run-pass option system, where the quarterback is going to pull the ball down, and he's going to look at, he's going to keep his eyes downfield. He's going to pay attention to his reads, whether that be the linebacker or the defensive end, and he's going to make a decision to either hold on to that ball or he's going to uh, give it to the running back or he's going to throw a pass, sometimes three options on one play. If the quarterback can't run out of that option, you're eliminating an entire option and you're, limit- you're limiting the offense. Looking at how Gus Malzahn likes to run his offense, having somebody that can run as an option is extremely important. And they've been working with Keen all offseason to improve his mobility, and I think he's done a great job of, of doing that from, from what sources have said. But having said that, it sounds like Plum Lee was made in a lab for this offense. The speed that he brings, what he can he can do to the outside. To me, the biggest question mark we've all had is his passing ability, and I'm not even that worried about his passing ability as really what's going to determine UCF's success on offense, in my mind, is what happens when it's third and ten and the defense knows that the run's not going to work and he's got to make a throw to get us past the sticks and keep the chains moving. If he has that opportunity to do that, can he do that consistently? If the answer is yes, I really don't know if there's anybody on our schedule that can stop our offense. You make you make a very, very solid point, and I hope that's the way it goes. You know what I'm saying? I, I do trust Gus. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the expert and say, oh, Mikey King should have been the quarterback because of that's what I think. I mean, that's who I thought was going to win the job, but I trust Gus's decision, and Gus did pick him. And you're right, man. He's like uh, he's like another Nick Marshall, in my opinion. And Nick Marshall, by the way, took Auburn all the way to the freaking championship game. They didn't win it, but that doesn't matter. Took it to the NCCA National College Football Championship. Mm-hmm. So, JRP, in my opinion, is equivalent as Nick Marshall. So, uh, with that being said, yeah, I'm really excited about JRPA. And the reason I'm excited, and now I'm getting to the other roster, that there's more of the QB talk, but we have so many weapons. Like, come on. It's like Sean said. Just by JRP himself is a weapon. Think about our tight end. We have, uh, you know, we have a, a, a sick NFL future tight end. We have sick, sick, and I mean sick like being sick, three wide receivers that have NFL talent. I mean, tight end, wide receiver, him. And I haven't even mentioned the running back room. Man, we are, we are, our running back room is as good as any top college team in the NCCA, period. I mean, I don't think they're as deep as us, you know? And the O-line, too. I mean, when you think about we're bringing back some starters from last year that all were, you know, on all-conference lists and we're bringing in some hu- some some guys that were on their own all-conference lists from their other conferences in Tylen Grable and, uh, you know, Ryan Swoboda to, to boost the line, it really is. If our quarterback can show up and play consistently, everything else falls into place for this offense, and I think that's a really exciting uh, place to be. Now, here's a question for you, though, and I think it's something we really got to dive into. I think that 
you know, when Plum Lee, when the decision was made for Plum Lee, right, you know, you got to look at Keen as a guy who's looking around at the quarterback room and where does he fit in moving forward? I'm sure that, you know, given last year and the injuries that have happened, you know, everybody wants a great backup quarterback. But having said that, you know, what is Keen going to think here as a as a sophomore? It, do you think he thinks about transferring? There's two thoughts to that. You know, my first thought is, you know, you lost your job. There's plenty of colleges that could, you know, you could transfer to. So there's the option he's going to transfer immediately. There's another thought process that, you know, he's, he, you know, he, he's all in on UCF. You know, even though he lost the job day one, he's all in. There could be another injury. There could be where JRP is not performing and Mikey King comes right in. So either he's all in and he's going to, you know, roll the dice and see how it plays out and take over the job again. Or, you know, he might just transfer. And there's nothing, you know, there's nothing against it. It happens every day. Look, literally another conversation that we're going to have is about Timmy McLean transferring from USF to UCF, losing his job over there and coming to UCF and redshirting. Mikey King can do the same thing. And I'll let you uh, elaborate more about that, about the whole QB room itself. But, uh, yeah, actually, let's just go with that. That's a great transition for sure. And it really speaks to what I might be thinking if I was Mikey Keene. Um, you know, I think right now, if you look at our roster, uh, you know, the fact that Timmy McLean isn't isn't able to play this year and the fact that Thomas Castellanos is a freshman, uh, you know, Keene, if he's not the best quarterback on the roster, he's, he's clearly the second best. And so that's kind of where we, we sit in needing him as a backup. Now, let's go to next year. Plumlee technically has another year of eligibility. Maybe he takes it, maybe he doesn't. You have Castellanos, who now sat here and probably will redshirt this year. And so he's going to be looking to, to grab the starting job himself. We have Timmy McLean, the USF quarterback who came from Seminole High School, who originally wanted to be at UCF but wasn't recruited by UCF, who just transferred after his freshman year, who showed a lot of promise at USF. And Gus Gus spoke very highly about him, very highly about this transfer. He He's actually just nothing but praise for uh, Timmy McClain. And honestly, I was at the game where Timmy McClain was there, and honestly, he balled out on us to the point where I was actually nervous that we were about to lose to the Bulls. Horns down, but it was a possibility, and that was because of He had them down on the goal line at the end of the game. Like, had he not taken those two sacks at the end of the game, he beats UCF. Shout out to UCF defense, baby. Absolutely. So, I mean, he he can play. And, and, you know, I just think the most interesting caveat, you know, Keen and McLean are from the same class. But they're very different quarterbacks. And I I personally wonder, had Malzahn been here instead of Heupel, does he recruit Keen or does he go after McLean himself and get that commitment? And now we're looking at a completely different QB room. I mean, if it isn't pretty obvious what you're saying, and just let's say it out loud, JRP was Gus's transfer. Castellano was Gus's first QB recruit. Timmy McLean was Gus's second UCF transfer. These are all Gus's guys. The one guy that's not Gus's guy is Mikey Keene. He was hypes. He was hypes guy. And like I said, I love Mikey Keene. But you know, it's it's you know, if you put yourself in his shoes, he's not one of Gus's guys. 
Absolutely. So, you know, it's going to be really interesting to watch as the season goes. I think the fact that it's so late in the transfer window that, you know, Keen probably sticks around. But how the season plays out is going to be really important as we as we talk about that. Um, now, I think that's also a great segue into our keys to the season. Um, you know, as we go into this season, there are a couple of units that UCF has that are that are pretty loaded that I would say are, you know, units we can count on. Right. So the offensive line. Um, you know, even though we may not know exactly who's running out there as the starters, we've got a lot of depth at the offensive line, and I feel like we have some chances to, to really be good no matter who wins those starting jobs, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I think from as long as I've been watching UCF football, this is the deepest offensive line starting the season out that UCF's ever had, period. You heard it. Tony Cummings said it. This is the deepest O-line ever. And to be honest with you, I feel very similarly about the, the secondary as well. You know, we've got a lot of experience. We've also got some really good freshmen coming in. We've also got some really good transfers coming in that rounds out a lot of depth there as well. So given that we've got some positions that are pretty set, I think it's important we talk about some of the ones where we aren't sure. And and those are going to be the positions that really – is this season going to be, you know, the 9-3 and three season we saw last year? Or is this a year where we make a run for a conference championship? And these are really going to be the positions that determine it. You know, we talked a lot about quarterback, but I think that's number one. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about having Plumlee in there and his ability to make plays, his ability to extend the game. When we get into the schedule review, we're going to go through how we performed against some of these conference opponents last year. One thing that, that I noticed going through the schedule is how many games we scored 17 points, 20 points. Gus being an offensive guy is a guy who is shooting for 30 points a game. That's what he wants. Right, and so if our offense isn't able to achieve that thirty points, that that's not exactly what we're trying to do. And I think a lot of times it was a freshman quarterback with Bowser being down and not having the depth to back him up on running back, and you know Matt Lee going down, and some of our receivers going down, and just the amount of injuries we had last year. Well, now we've got the depth, and now we've got the quarterbacks that can push us through those third downs. And if that happens, I can see us averaging that 30 points that we're used to doing. And if that's the case, I think we've really got to look out. Um, so that, that being the main one, we just, we just uh, you know, kind of talked a lot about the quarterback position. But the next one really for me is, is linebacker. So uh, linebacker is another position that is, is in some transition. We had a bunch of guys that transferred out. We even had a couple of guys that were transferring in that ultimately changed their minds, such as Chris Mole. Uh, you know, we had Tatum Bethune, our leading tackler last year. He transferred to Florida State. So now we're looking at a unit that's going to see some transition, really, with only Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste as the, the main returner. Um, you know, he's a very experienced, skilled linebacker who is going to make a lot of tackles like he's used to doing, but he's he, he can't do it alone. Um, so we've really got to see who's going to step up. Is there anybody you like in the linebacker room that you think is going to step up for us this year? Look, you know, I like to – I think we like to keep it honest in this podcast. Don't want to be just like, uh, you know, root, 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 like just, uh, you know, sugar on top guys when it comes to UCF. So I'll be honest, like losing Tatum to Florida State was a huge, huge loss. I mean, that was unexpected. I mean, yes, Randy Shannon was his recruiter and whatnot, but he was our leading tackler, our leading linebacker. So, and we just beat UF, you know what I'm saying? So I I wasn't expecting him to leave, you know. But Jeremiah Jean Batiste was behind him. You know, Tatum was the was the leader of the defense, was the leader of the linebacker group. So that was a huge loss. I mean, Jeremiah Jean Batiste, it's this year for him to step up. 
I wouldn't say he's proven himself completely. I mean, he was right behind Tatum, but it's it's his year. He's the man this year. But with that being said, the rest of the linebacker roster, even though they have some five stars on their name, four stars, we got a guy, Jason Johnson from Eastern Illinois, that was all team conference. With all that being said, you know what I'm saying, the linebacker department is still in question. And I'm not going to sit there and say I'm confident about it going forward. It's kind of, we're going to have to see and watch and see how it plays out. There's a lot of talent. There is. And, you know, just like anything in life, with a lot of talent, it could be, hit a, it could, it could be you know, hit a touchdown or it could be an interception. You know, it could go either way. So, with that being said, we're just going to have to wait and see, in my opinion. But what are your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of guys that have a lot of skills, that have a lot of traits that we're really going to have to see how they ultimately work out. I mean, you know, Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste, I think we can expect to have a big season, um, you know, but obviously teams are going to game plan to, to try to neutralize him from the linebacker position. So who steps up, right? So for me, the first one that I think we're going to see right off the bat that's going to make a big impact right away is Jason Johnson. Um, and to me, he fits a similar mold as Bryson Armstrong from last year. Coming from the, you know, coming from the FCS, having some, some not only uh, success, but being a first-team All-Conference player. You know, Jason Johnson led the conference in tackles last year with 112 tackles in 11 games. So he's averaging more than 10 tackles per game um, in a college football Division One team. So I mean, when you really think about that, you know, he's going to come in. He's going to understand some some basics about college football. To come in and make some of those early tackles, and I, and I think we're going to hear his name a lot, especially in the first couple games. But after that, you've got the linebackers coming in: Terrence Lewis and Brandon Jennings. Terrence Lewis being a five-star, Brandon Jennings a four-star. They both were in the, um, the Maryland program. Yeah, the Maryland program. Um, they were freshmen last year in Maryland, and they both decided to transfer. Uh, Terrence Lewis coming straight to UCF. Brandon Jennings going to Kansas State, and then coming to UCF. Brandon Jennings, um, you know, should be able to also hit the field right away. Uh, Terrence Lewis, he tore his ACL last year, so he didn't play. So this year he is uh, coming on a little slower as he's recovering from injury, but all indications are he's going to get playing time as well. So you know, aside from that, it, those two are the most skilled, or you know, maybe the high, highest rated. As they get their feet under them, we might be hearing from them a lot, maybe in the second half of the season. But the depth is crazy at linebacker. Um, and, and to be honest. Crazy in what aspect? Crazy in like. Uh... Well, you know, I think I think over the summer we, we were a little worried about it, right? You know, I mean, I'm still worried, to be honest. But it sounds like you're not. I, I'm, I think it's, it's the most unsettled group on the team. But in typical Gus fashion, we have now loaded it up with talent. Now, while some of it might be unproven, they loaded it up with talent, right? This isn't, they're, they're not pulling walk-ons, you know, into, you know, the fire, freshman walk-ons and throwing them out there and seeing how, how it goes because they're so thin at the position. Nah, it, you know, if, if we're going down to our fourth string is a four-star sophomore from a Power 5 program, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of teams on our schedule. A lot of potential be, there, a lot of potential. A lot of teams on our schedule would kill for that kind of depth. So, you know, yeah, there's a lot of questions, but at the same time, a lot of skill to answer some of those questions. Um, but for me, I think, you know, linebacker and its uncertainty goes hand-in-hand hand with our next question, our third question to the season is our run defense. 
Um, you know, I think for any college football team, you know, you got to be able to stop the run. If you can't stop the run in a college offense, you're going to have a really rough time controlling the clock. You're going to have a really rough time getting your defense off the field. And for us, we were we were spoiled last year. We had an amazing defensive line. Um, you know, we got a couple of players. You got to you know, replace, you know, Big Cat Bryant was a huge aspect of that team and Cam Good and Anchor in the middle and, and losing both, one Big Cat to the NFL and Cam Good to Michigan in the transfer portal. Uh, you know, who's going to step up? Uh, for me, a couple names I see, Ricky Barber, Lee Hunter, Katie McDaniel, you know, some of those. But but how do you, how do you feel our defensive line is looking right now? I'm loving Ricky Barber. You know, I think he's going to be key to the run defense. He was solid at Western Kentucky. He was solid last year. He had an injury that slowed him down. You know, he's fully healthy this year. So, he's going to be a game changer for us. Get ready to hear that Ricky Barber name at the stadium. I definitely feel he'll be replacing Big Cat Bryant, in my opinion. And then, uh, Lee Hunter. I know that he hasn't played a down for UCF. He, uh, He didn't play a down for Auburn, actually, to be honest with you. But, man... You can't teach size. This guy is a massive man, 6'4", very athletic. And I feel like he's an SEC, you know, uh, defensive tackle that the AAC isn't ready for. So, it's his time to shine. You know, I can't wait to see Lee Hunter and Ricky Barber handle the tackle side of things. What are your opinions on the DN? Well, you know, I think for, you know, to be honest with you, I think – you know, we're in a good spot. Uh, I like our, how we look there a lot better than than linebacker. Um, you know, and, and I'm optimistic about linebacker, right? I mean, I think we've got the talent, but I think, you know, while we are replacing some good players, we're replacing them with some really good players. Um, you know, Ricky Barber, I agree with you, is going to have you know a big season. You know, he's going to have another year at UCF under his belt. You know, and and then you 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 add that to a Lee Hunter coming from Auburn, who was already, he, he's an SEC-sized defensive tackle that's going to come in and absolutely clog up the middle. Then you add Katie McDaniel, the transfer from Kentucky, and now another Power 5 player, and he's supplementing Anthony Montalvo, who had a great season last year, Josh Seliscar, another guy with a great season, and Keenan Hester, who's been here a little while, who is, you know, turning heads in camp. You know, we hear his name a lot. You know, at the same time, when you think about a defensive line, you know, they're playing four guys. And, you know, we can sit here again, talk about depth. We're, we're talking about, you know, what is that? Five guys right here, six guys that we can clearly see coming in, making a big difference. So I, I like our depth. You know, again, injuries are, are, are really going to be, I think, a key to how our run defense stays and stacks up. Because if they can keep the linebackers clean, you know, I think we'll be in good shape. I do got to give a shout-out to my man, James L. Reed, UCF Twitter Mafia legend. Um, you know, what do you – his opinion on Lee Hunter is he does think Lee Hunter is very talented, but he's inexperienced. He's young. There's a lot of senior or junior, you know, a lot more experienced offensive linemen that have better techniques that might still, you know, take away from him. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, that that's – I understand that, that thought. You know, I mean, obviously he hasn't, he wasn't at Auburn for that long, um, you know, and there's a reason things obviously didn't, 
go well at Auburn. So there's always a risk when you're taking a transfer player, uh, you know, especially one that doesn't have three, four years under their belt. So, yeah, definitely there's some risk there. And I think that's fair. I think it's fair to wonder how how that's going to happen. I think it's fair to wonder how they're going to all gel. You know, you're, you're talking about Ricky Barber, even though it's his second year, he's a transfer. Lee Hunter's a transfer. Katie McDaniel's a transfer. So these, these guys have to mesh too. So, I mean, that that's really why this becomes a question mark. You know, if the best case scenario in these situations is that our, our D line, they mesh really well and they keep our our linebackers clean. Our linebackers come in and, and they showcase their depth. And next thing you know, we have a top run defense in this country. The, the worst case scenario is that we see some injuries in both positions. We see the transfers not gel as well. And uh, we watch our run defense struggle compared to last year. And in that case, you know, that could that could get us into, tr- into some trouble against some of our better quality opponents on our schedule. So, you know, personally, I think we're going to be able to maintain a lot of what, our, what we were able to do last year from a run defense perspective, uh, especially in our second year against uh, our, our second year in, uh, in Travis Williams system. Um, but I, that's why it's a question, right? We, we don't really know. But uh, but I'm optimistic about the defense, um, you know, at, and. and before we move on to the schedule review, uh, yeah. Before we get into that, there's one player I don't think we mentioned that I think is going to be a, a key for next year, and it's going to be TMB Traymon Moore's Brush. You know, he's ready to go. He didn't play in the spring, so people might have forgot about him. But this dude was an all Under Armour All American. I don't know if you guys remember or not. He was an Under Armour All American, the first Under Armour All American to announce on public television on ESPN that he was going to the best Florida football team in Florida. Mm-hmm. And that was UCF. I always loved the kid after he said that before he even, even stepped on campus. But honestly, TMB has been growing year over year over year. And, you know, this is my opinion, but he's going to the NFL. So get ready for TMB to have a blowout season. You know, he, had a, he, he made a big personal mistake last year. But with that being said... He's ready to go. He's focused. He learned from his mistakes. Get ready for TMB on the defense. Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up because you're right. I think he he's set up for a monster year as well. I think you know he has the potential to lead the team in sacks. Um, you know when you pair him with the names we already said. You know again, our defensive line can be really really stacked. Um, you know, and that's another way. You know, the last position, really the last question that we have uh, about UCF moving back to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, another position that we're stacked with talent, but who is going to be the one that steps up is our wide receiver position. You know, I think everybody understands that the Ryan O'Keefe is our, our number one receiver. He had an amazing year last year, and I look forward to watching him, you know, just increase what he did and, and watch his stats increase and watch his influence on the football team increase. But having said that, you know, we are we did lose Jalen Robinson, and, you know, we're, we're looking at, a, at an offense that is going to have to rely on more receivers than just O'Keefe. Before we get into our UCF roster, uh, sorry about that. Jalen Robinson, he just caught himself an injury, by the way. I don't know how, how long he's out for the season. Really? Yeah, at Ole Miss. So, uh, sorry about that, Jalen Robinson. But when, anyway, with that being said, uh, let's stick to focus on the UCF players. And, yeah, I'll tell you right now. Javon Baker has been all the hype during this uh, this uh, pre-fall camp. I'll tell you right now. And, yeah, he didn't get any playing time in Alabama last year. But, come on, it's Alabama. They're very deep. They're three deep when it comes to wide receivers. They're pumping out NFL wide receivers on a yearly basis. So, him not getting playing time in Alabama doesn't really scare me too much. Yeah, a player that I'm super excited about is Javon Baker. 
he didn't get a lot of playing time at Alabama. But come on, it's Alabama. They're three deep when it comes to wide receivers. So with that being said, during the fall camp this year, he was the talk of the town. Everybody keeps talking about him. The highlights were all over Twitter. So I'm pretty excited about him. I think he could be our three deep wide receiver. Going to our two deep, not, not two deep, I mean our second uh, wide receiver would be uh, Kobe Hudson. I mean, come on. He was the number one wide receiver at Auburn. So we're bringing the number one wide receiver over to our campus, to our school with Gus that recruited him. So I see him being right after Ryan O'Keefe. So to me, it's one, two, three, Ryan O'Keefe, Kobe Hudson, and Javon Baker as your three. Those are the three. I mean, there's a and there's a lot of potential. We're actually, to be honest with you, we're three deep on the wide receiver. We got a lot of potential behind them. But I think those are the three playmakers going forward, in my opinion. I mean, so that's my opinion. What are your thoughts? I agree with you. I think that, you know, bringing in those two SEC caliber players and Kobe Hudson and, and Javon Baker, you know, they know what it looks like. They can come in and, and, and play really well. Uh, you know, it just speaks to our depth. But I think, you know, to go even deeper, I mean, you know, all spring and, and summer we were hearing about Jalen Griffin and how well he's played. You know, he's another tall, big receiver that can make plays down the field. He had an amazing spring, and so, you know, now we're at number four. You heard Gus Malzahn talk about Amari Johnson. I know he's hurt, but the expectation is that he'll be back. Amari Johnson's a key player, not only on special teams, but he's been with the team a long time, and he made some clutch catches for us last year. So that's five players right now that we can talk about that can play receiver, outside receiver at any given time. So a lot of depth. And then that didn't even go into the fact that we have two freshmen coming in, Xavier Townsend and Quan Lee as well, who, you know, just given this depth, maybe we don't even get to see them this but year. But even even mentioning them, we're forgetting Deon, Deontay Marks. Totally. Deontay Marks is legit. I know UCF fans haven't seen him play yet, but this guy got um, recruited to UF, chose to come to UCF during the whole COVID time. His mom wanted him to be close to home. This guy's legit. He had some injuries, so we haven't seen him play. But get ready for Deontay Marks. Uh, Jalen Griffin, the guy's a stud, but he got injured in the fall, so I don't know how long it's going to take for him to showcase himself again. But we're also forgetting and Jordan Johnson from Notre Dame, that four- or five-star recruit, depending on the recruiting website you look at. And uh, I know there was um, there was issues with him catching the ball when he first came over, but you know he's had a whole year under his belt. He's got under the Gus playbook. So we don't know what's going to play out. But what I will tell you is we got so much talent. We're definitely too deep heavy for sure. I do think we're three deep, like you said, with the freshmen. So we got a lot of potential wide receivers. It's just, you know, we haven't they haven't showed improved yet. But this is going to be a season that we're going to have so many weapons. If everything plays out the way we expected to play out with JRP being a weapon, with the tight ends being a weapon, with the wide receivers being a weapon, with the running backs being a weapon, a lot of people are going to get playing time. A lot of people are going to show out this year. Absolutely. All right, so before we jump into the schedule review, i got a question for you. All right, I want you to tell me right now, I think we can all say that we would agree that O'Keefe's going to lead the team in receptions and receiving yards. Do you agree with that? I do. Okay. Who's two, who's three? Like how I think the season's going to yeah, finish? exactly. Ooh, putting me on the spot. If I had to be a betting man, I'm going to have to go with the SEC transfers if I had to be a betting man. Mm-hmm. I do think we might be surprised by by Deontay Marks, by Jalen Griffin, by the freshman. And, and I, actually, I, I'm forgetting the, the wide receiver that came from Georgia, the sophomore that was a freshman last year. 
Um, he still has to grow into his body, but he's a very tall wide receiver as well. I can't think of his name, but the point is, we're pretty deep at wide receiver. But so who's the number two receiver this year? Who who has the second most receptions, receiving yards? Uh, if I had the better million dollars, I'd have to say it's Kobe Hudson. All right, and number three? Javon Baker. I, I just, yeah. If I had the bet money, I'd have to go with the SEC wide receiver treasures. I'm with you there, too. I think I think that's exactly how I would stack it up, and I'd say the reason I'd stack it up, obviously O'Keefe has proven he can be used in a million ways, and he's going to be. Um, I think Javon Kobe Baker. Hunt, and Kobe Hudson's a Swiss Army knife, baby. That's how I feel. I feel like Baker, you're going to see Baker ending up lining up on the outside with Hudson kind of moving his way on the inside, and, and he's going to be a chain mover, I bet. Not to play devil's advocate, but like, all three of them are like, maybe I'm wrong uh, off this, but aren't they all under six feet or six foot one? Uh, I actually don't know. Uh, I don't Javon know Javon Baker's, Baker's height either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know but, Kobe and Ryan O'Keefe are definitely under six foot one. I'll tell you that for sure. That for sure I know, but I don't know Javon Baker's height. Um, he's six one. A six one. That's what I thought. Six I think one they're all, they're all three of them are six foot one and under. But six foot one two oh eight, that's not a small person. I mean, you know, at the end of the I day, know, like uh, we had a little bit gay uh, we had a little guy named Gabe Davis, you know, he was what, six four yeah. or six five. Yeah, and then we've got Jacob Harris too. <laughs> exactly. Got, you know, so we've had some height there before, you know. So uh yeah. With that being said, I'm wondering who I would think we need a tall water here, and that's where Jordan Johnson, Jalen Griffin might come in the picture. Just throwing that out there now ahead of time. Absolutely. It's going to be pretty exciting. I, you know, I think there's going to be some fireworks on offense. Um, all right, but with that, let's go ahead and get into our schedule review where we'll go through the whole schedule, talk through each game, and, and give you uh, our predictions. Okay, so the plan is for us to start here with our first game, the SC State Bulldogs, this Thursday. We're going to go down through each game, and we're going to talk a little bit about the opponent, what we think is going to happen in the game, and then make a pick, me and Tony. When we get down to the end of the schedule, we'll tell you what we think our record's going to be, and we'll talk about it. But before we do that, I'd like to title this season, Revenge Season, because we need to get some revenge on all the teams we lost to last year. Revenge Season, baby. You're coming to our house this year. Yeah, it doesn't happen it happen this way often, but we had four losses last year. All four teams are back on the schedule. And what's interesting about that is all four of those games were lost on the road. All four of those games were at home this year. It actually never really happens like that. So this is a beautiful situation for us. Absolutely. So let's start with that first game. So coming up this Thursday night, we've got the UCF Knights taking on the SC State Bulldogs from the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. They are from the FCS. UCF is all-time 3-0 against them. Their last matchup was in 2018. It was Heupel's first game where we shut them out 38 to nothing at home. Uh, what do you think about this one, Tony? I think, Gus, you need to do 48-0, baby. That's what I think. I think this is a no-brainer. UCF is going to win this game. If we don't, it's kind of scary season. Absolutely, yeah. We shouldn't have too much of a problem in this game. My big question is, uh, you know, how many quarterbacks do we see in the game? Oh, 100%. I think we'll actually see definitely two, without a doubt. Actually, to be honest with you, I think if I had to predict all three quarterbacks, the mean three quarterbacks, because even if you play Castellano this game, he can still redshirt. He doesn't lose uh, He doesn't lose eligibility. So with that being said, yeah, I see all three quarterbacks playing. Absolutely. For anybody that isn't aware, you can still redshirt in a season as long as you complete 
uh, less than four games. So if you only play in the first game, don't play again. You can still redshirt. So I think that's a that's a good one as well. I definitely think we'll see two. Maybe we'll see three. That'd be pretty cool. See seeing uh, Castellanos in that in that fourth quarter. But uh, so Tony and I are both saying we're gonna take that one. Next game is our first of our revenge season. We get the Louisville Cardinals from the ACC at home. Our first Power Five opponent of the season. Uh, you know this is gonna be a big one. We lost last year in a heartbreaker. Uh, I'm not sure how many fans remember that that game, but that was you know the game where we lost Dylan Gabriel there at the end uh, when he threw the interception that uh, was returned for a touchdown uh, that ended up losing us that game. Uh, Morris Brash, uh, Tremont Morris Brash ended up with an interception a little bit before that uh, that gave us the opportunity to come back and win that game. It was tied 35-35. To me, the biggest key in that game is Malik Cunningham. Um, you know, he was a huge reason why. Uh, we had a tough time in that game with 265 passing yards, 99 rushing yards, and three total touchdowns. How do you feel about this game? I feel that we're going to, unless we have some injuries, unexpected injuries, other than that, I think 100%, let's start the revenge season with a win. You know, we've been waiting for this Louisville Cardinal game. From what I'm hearing from all the UCF alumni that I'm speaking to, everybody's going to be at this game. Hang up front. A lot of people might not come to the South Carolina uh, Bulldogs game because it's on a Thursday, Labor Day weekend, and it's South Carolina State. But the Louisville game, everybody and their mother is trying to go to that game. So that game is going to be hype. The bounce house is going to be bouncing. You know, that's the real, real first game. Yeah, I think, you know, we're setting ourselves up for some success in that first game when you think about the fact that, you know, our first game is on a Thursday. You know, we're going to get a little bit of an extra extra time to prepare for Louisville. The fact that we saw Malik Cunningham last year should give our defense a little bit of an idea of what to expect. I think a low-key uh, advantage for us this year is having Timmy McLean come in and play on our scout team, uh, being that he is a, a dual-threat, talented quarterback who could be a starter in Division One. He's going to be running our scout team, so he can give us some great looks for Malik Cunningham. Also, another thing that I think is really important as we go through the schedule is how many of these matchups we have at home. Uh, over the last five years, UCF is 30-2 and two at the bounce house, with two of the, with the only two losses coming during our COVID-shortened season where we weren't allowed to have fans in the stands. So basically what that means to me is when the bounce house is rocking, we can't lose. Uh, so yeah, i got to take UCF here uh, against the Louisville Cardinals. Yeah, same here. And moving on to the next game, we uh, travel down south to visit the Florida Atlantic FAU Owls from Conference USA. Last year, they finished five and seven. Uh, last time UCF played FAU, they won forty-eight to fourteen. All-time UCF is three and zero against FAU. Uh, their current head coach is Willie Taggart, who some fans might remember as the old USF coach, who actually did a pretty decent job turning them around. Parlayed that into a, an Oregon job offer. Ended up at Florida State, flamed out a little bit. He's getting his second chance at FAU. Uh, how do you feel about the Knights and, and their chances at, at uh, FAU? Oh, let's make that a UCF 4-0 all-time against FAU. That's how I feel about it. It's another UCF home game, to be honest with you. So, yeah, let's go, Knights. I'm not even going to waste my time talking about FAU. I agree. I think they win. Um, you know, I, I, I think FAU is going to be better this year. You know, maybe they can make – they should be bowl eligible uh, just, you know, coming in. But at the end of the day, I, I do think UCF, if, if they're going to be how we feel, you know, potential conference champion caliber team, uh, yeah, this game shouldn't be too much of a problem. I think they'll win as well. With that being said, the next game is Georgia Tech at home. Uh, we did beat Georgia Tech in Georgia. 
in Atlanta. So uh, I don't see a difference. I mean, Georgia Tech might want a revenge game against us, but I really feel like this team is going to win this game as well. So I'm not worried about Georgia Tech. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I think Georgia Georgia Tech is another team that, you know, they're coming off three consecutive three-win seasons. So their head coach is probably on the on the hot seat, that head coach being Jeff Collins, the former Temple coach. Uh, you know, I think he's doing what he can trying to get away from the triple option. But Ex O'Leary assistant coach, FY. That's right, absolutely. Uh, I think he's doing what he can at Georgia Tech, getting away from the triple option, but, you know, he's having a rough go. Uh, you know, it's it's a tough it's a tough place right now. I, I think as well as good as their their quarterback Jeff Sims is. You know, he did a great job last time we played him. But even with that, we beat him forty nine twenty one that last game. So uh, yeah, I think having this one at home will go a long way towards uh, putting this one in the win column. Yeah, absolutely. Funny story about this game though. I gotta I gotta interrupt. I wish I could be there. But unfortunately, a UCF alumni decided to have their wedding this weekend that I have to go to a UCF sorority party sister. Foul. Yeah, exactly. Party foul there. But hey, duty calls. She was in my wife's. She was one of my wife's bridesmaids, so I gotta go support her. Yep. So I won't be at the game. I'll be in Columbia, out of all places. Hopefully, watching the game from TV. Absolutely, and you know, so now when we think about the schedule, um, you know, we can really break it down into you know. Four game segments, twelve games, right? We just got through the first four games. If you really look at the schedule, we've got three teams on there that that we really feel confident about. When you look at the four games that are coming up after this, that's to me where our, our schedule really starts to get a little hard. Um, starting with this next game at home, um, you know, it's our second revenge game of the year. Louisville being the first, we get at the SMU Mustangs at home. Last year, uh, unfortunately, they they really took it to us with a fifty five twenty eight score in Dallas. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to see some some transitions there with with uh, SMU. Their coach Sonny Dykes did accept the head coaching job at TCU, and he moved on. Uh, so Rhett Lashley takes over. He had previously been the offensive coordinator at SMU. Uh, aside from that, though, they are bringing back most of their offense. Tanner Mordecai being the main one, the top one of the top quarterbacks in the conference last year. So you know their offense has a lot of talent, especially you know given they put 55 up on us last year. This is going to be a real tough one. How do you feel about it? How do I feel about it? Look, I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of us UCF fans drink that black and gold Kool-Aid. So we would like to think that we're only going to run 12-0 and and be undefeated. Honestly, I think this might be our first loss. And for all the reasons Sean said, they're bringing back the same team. And honestly, they whooped our butt. It might, it might have been in Dallas, Texas, but they whooped our butt. They whooped our butt handily, 55-28. They're bringing back the same team. The same team. They didn't really lose much of the roster. And from what we're hearing... It's the same coach on the roster becoming the head coach. And let's be honest, man. Just, I don't think that our AAC compadres are really happy that we're going to the Big 12. So they're going to give us all they got. This is the final season. They might never ever play us ever again. So they're going to give us all they got. They got their own hype train, their own Kool-Aid going on. So if we lose to SMU, don't be surprised. But I will take this as a loss. I hate, Even at home. I really hate to have to agree with you, um, you know, given our, our home record. But, you know, I think under Gus Malzahn, I think it we need to see some proof that we can beat a team that's rolling. 
Um, you know, last year, any team that we played that was playing really well, that was having one of those really good seasons, it was pretty clear that our team wasn't quite on that level yet. Now, do I think that we can be that level this year? Absolutely. I think we have the talent to do it. But a 55-28 score is nothing to scoff at, especially when they're bringing back a lot of that same core. I think it's going to be a lot closer of a game, and it wouldn't even surprise me if we stole it. But if I had to pick right now, I unfortunately would pick the SMU Mustangs to beat us here uh, at the bounce house in that game. So we'll have to see how it goes. Um, But after that, we move right into the Temple Owls game. That is our space game for this year. Um, You know, the Temple Owls have been going through some tough times over the last few years. Uh, We did play them last year, but even with the injuries and our backup quarterback, we still saw a game at Temple finish 49-7. It got their coach fired, so now we're looking at a new head coach. Um, You know, personally, I I think this could be be a, a pretty nice game for UCF, bouncing back from the SMU game. What do you think? I think this is another win. I'd be shockingly surprised if we lost this. But, no, if you had asked me, this is a win for UCF. Put a W right there. Um, I don't think Temple's serious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a Thursday night game. It's going to be on national television. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to be 49-7 again. I agree. I think it's going to be a pretty a pretty easy win for UCF, and you know, really hope hopefully gets us ready for our next game. Um, really, one of our tougher road games of the year. Uh, right after Temple, we go up to East Carolina and play the Pirates. And the reason why is the same thing I said earlier. Our AAC and actually ECU goes all the way to Conference USA. And going back to Conference USA, ECU is one of our big time hardest opponents. And ECU's crowd, I'll tell you right now. They support the team. Well, like, if their team is rolling, they got a sold-out stadium. So if ECU has a great season, by the time they go to playoffs, they're going to have a sold-out stadium. They're going to be rocking. And they would love nothing better to beat the future Big 12 foe UCF. Um, So this is going to be a very challenging game. And this is one of the games that, like, what was the hype got famous for when he ran that one play, the bone play, that mm-hmm. one? I against think it was Memphis, against, yeah. yeah it was road. against Memphis, my apologies. I thought I was against ECU, but my point that was is... Taj McGowan, long touchdown run on fourth and one. That's Absolutely. right, that's right, that's right. But ECU is a tough point. They always have been. They're not a pushover. But I do think we'll win this game. I think we will win this game. But it's going to be tough. It's going to be, it's going to come down to the wire. And last year, we only won by four points. Just throwing that out there. At home. We only won by four points. So it is going to be challenging at ECU. My opinion, I think we pull it out and win it. What's your thoughts, Sean? Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think a lot of people are going to overlook ECU amongst the fan base. Uh, you know, but I think ECU has been building for a moment like this. Uh, you know, and it really starts for me with Holden Ehlers, their senior quarterback. Uh, you know, I remember watching him when he was a freshman against UCF, and that team wasn't totally ready to, to be that great. But he was balling out there. You know, when it's clear that he knows what he's doing. He's got a great arm. He's got a great command of that offense. He's a, he's a great leader. Uh, you know, they go as he goes. And last year, they won seven games. They got to a bowl game, which has been better than they had been in the past. This year, the best way to describe the East Carolina season last year is that they beat the teams they were supposed to, and they lost to the teams that they were supposed to. If they want to take this next step, they're going to have to beat a couple teams that uh, maybe they aren't favored. And, and I'll tell you, getting UCF at home – is a game that they're going to have circled on their schedule as one that is going to prove to themselves how good they really are. And you know Ehlers, being a senior, 
and everything you said about UCF going to the Big 12, they're going to come out. And you're spot on. We only won that game at home by four points. Hopefully this year our offense is a little better to keep control of that game a little better. But you never know. I think I do think we win. I do think we win. But I think this is going to be a nail-biter. I don't think we'll know who's the winner until, the, uh, until we get towards the fourth quarter. You took the words out of my mouth. Nail-biter. So get ready, UCF Nation. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a close one. Do not underestimate ECU. But absolutely. So Tony and I both think that we'll be able to pull that one out, but uh, but keep an eye out for that one being a tough one. Now, this leads to really, I think, the game that most UCF fans are going to circle on their schedule as the big one. It's our homecoming this year. Hopefully it's on game day, you know. Let's uh, let's bring that back. Mm-hmm. But it's against the Cincinnati Bearcats. Uh, you know, this is revenge game number three. Uh, we already saw Louisville. We already saw SMU. This is revenge game number three. We've lost three straight to Cincinnati. Uh, you know, obviously that's uh, Dylan Gabriel's uh, two seasons, and then last year with Keen when when Cincinnati ran the table and went to the college football playoff. Uh, but this year, you know, obviously Desmond Ritter, their quarterback, their starting running back Alec Pierce, and their number one lockdown corner Sauce Gardner, who went in the top ten in the NFL draft this last year, are all not on the roster. Uh, so that could definitely help us out. Uh, how are you feeling about the Bearcats? So I'll tell you the Bearcats are deep. They've been drafting well the last couple of years. Honestly, they've been – I said drafting. Let me take that back. Recruiting. They've been recruiting really well uh, before even last year. I'd say the last three years they've out-recruited us. So they're very deep. And they – as much as UCF gets credit for transferring players in, Cincinnati has been transferring players as well. So they're still a deep team. But – they lost some crucial players that Sean just mentioned. They lost their quarterback. They lost their wide receiver. They lost some running back. They lost defensive players. They lost cornerbacks. Uh, they lost safeties. I mean, come on. Was it their safety that went in the first round or was it the cornerback? It was their top corner. The Sauce top Gardner. corner went in the first round. Come on. Cincinnati last year had some legit NFL talent. It reminds me of what UCF is doing with a couple players. With... Um, Anthony Anthony Maltavo could have could have definitely made an NFL roster, but now he stayed an extra year. Uh, Bowser, our running back, could have went to the NFL, but stayed another year with us. So we got these players on our rosters. Um, Samuel Jackson, our offensive lineman, could have went to the NFL. And mind you, all these three players, I'm not saying they would have got drafted last year, but I think they're talented enough to make a roster. And they have that UCF discipline to do well in the NFL like we've seen our previous UCF football player alumni. The point of the story is they were really deep last year. They lost a lot of top talent. But with that being said, come on, man. We've lost three games. The streak is over. UCF's going to win this game. It's homecoming. I can't remember the last homecoming game we lost. I don't even want to be reminded because I can't remember. But come on. The Bearcats coming at home to play UCF for homecoming. This revenge this revenge season, revenge game, I honestly think we're not, we're not going to lose any revenge games. Except, like I said, the SMU game might catch us off guard. But we are going to put that whipping on those Bearcats. I agree. I, I think that overall, I think this game sets up really nicely for UCF. Uh, you know, we're catching them, you know, maybe in a transition year. Uh, we're catching them at home for our homecoming game. We're catching them in the middle of the season after we've been been tested. Uh, you know, I think overall this should be a game that we're ready for. Sold out bounce house. I think we take this one as well. Um, you know, and that that really sends us onto our our third four game sample uh, of the season, 
where we're going really on the road for three out of four, starting with the Memphis Tigers, who definitely is one of our rivals over the last many Sean, years. Sean means two out of four, but go ahead. Well, no, we've got three. Well, yeah, I guess it's the same. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. We'll get there. Uh, but the Memphis Tigers being on the road, you know, they're definitely a rival we've had across conferences, Conference USA, uh, coming with us to the American. If there's any team on this schedule that's going to care about sending us off to the Big 12 with a loss, I think it's the Tigers. What do you think? Yes. The Tigers, they have a really passionate fan base. They pack their stadium. Um, honestly, they've had they've had really good seasons the last five years, and honestly, they've taken UCF to the wire in the conference championship games, but we've beaten them. So Memphis Tigers are a legitimate foe, and they still have been even with their coach, their head coach leaving two years ago to FSU. They haven't really dropped uh, dropped the beat overall. They've still been a very talented team. And look, we're playing in Memphis. It's not going to be uh, it's not going to be easy rodeo, but. I still think we're going to beat them because I think our team is going to be on a roll. But it is going to be challenging. It is going to come down the wire. It's not going to be an easy game. They're not a pushover. I definitely don't think it'll be easy. I think that they're going to come in motivated, and I think they're going to really push us to our limit there early in the game. But I think this game in particular is going to really come down to how the two offenses play. Memphis has always been defined by how their offense plays. Last year, they were starting a freshman QB, Seth Hennigan. We beat him at home 24-7. to So now we're going on the road against that same quarterback. And to be honest with you, I would say that we've upgraded a quarterback this year. And so when you take that into account, um, you know, personally, I, I think that our offense is just going to be way too much for them to handle. I think we pull away later in the game and, and win by a couple touchdowns. Yeah, I agree. I concur. Uh, so that takes us to our next road game, and, and this one was a sneaky tough game last year against the Tulane Green Wave. Uh, we get them in New Orleans on the road this year, but last year at home, uh, we they took us right to the wire. We had some trouble on offense. Final score of fourteen to ten, so a four point win. Uh, you know, really a couple things I look for in this Tulane game that I that I worry about. Um, you know, first being a letdown after the Memphis game, we come back to Orlando and then have to get back on a plane and go to Tulane. Um, you know, we're going to be hyped for the Memphis game after the Bearcats game. And, you know, maybe Tulane has a little bit of letdown. Another another fact that I think is important that we can't overlook about the Tulane Green Wave is that they are returning nine of their 11 starters on offense, uh, you know, including their quarterback. Um, you know, so when you take all those things into account, it could be a trap game. Yeah, spot on trap game. And it's hard. Like, you know, say we as fans, we just have certain expectations. But two back-to-back road games towards the end of the season is very challenging. The, these college players' bodies are worn out. They've been taking a lot of hits. There's a lot of injuries. It's lingering. Like, this is going to be a challenging game. Tulane is another team that's recruited very, very well. They might have got not get national spotlight, but we've been there. We've felt the same thing. We don't get national spotlight for our players. But Tulane does recruit really well. So their team is deep and very strong. So this is going to be another challenging game. I will not predict that we will lose this game, but it will be challenging. So uh, don't expect the cupcake road away again. I agree. I think it's a little. It's going to be a tough game. But uh, however, I do think in this particular game, uh, last year it was a fourteen ten game. I would I would even push it further and say that this year with this offense, as long as we're healthy at this time of year, uh, I wouldn't it wouldn't be surprised if we push thirty points in this game. In which case, you know, if our defense plays similarly, uh, you know, we might. It might be a nail-biter, but we might still pull away and, and win by multiple touchdowns. I hope we can. 
you could tell that there's a JRP fan here. And I'm not saying I'm not a JRP fan. I definitely am hoping for the best. I hope uh, JRP is a rock star. Um, but, yeah. So, if that's the case. And you know what? As UCF fans, we should all hope that's the best since JRP has been chosen as the starting quarterback. Let's hope that uh, he's the, the key to unlock Gus's system. And with all the talent we have, we're going to crush these teams and blow everybody out. Um, but with that being said, uh, I'm not going to underestimate our AAC foes that didn't make it to the Big 12. It's going to be challenging. Again, I think we will win. I don't know what the score is going to be. You know, Sean's leaning towards a blowout, but to be more challenging, I'm thinking it's a more close game. But I hope Sean's right. I hope by the time we get to Tulane, you know, we are on point. Our team's flowing well. Because at that point, we can't be worrying about Tulane. At that point, we need to be worrying about big bowl games, hopefully undefeated season, and, you know, running the table, basically. So hopefully Tulane is not even going to be an issue at that point. I hear what you're saying. Look, I'm not necessarily predicting a blowout in the Tulane game. What I guess I'm predicting is, you know, let's say, for example, it's it's close game. We're getting towards the end of the game. We're up 24-17, one touchdown. Tulane punts to us. We score one more time. We win 31-17. It's a two-touchdown game, but the reality is, it stayed close most of the way. I guess that's how I might might think of that game. And you're right, I am a JRP fan. I think for me, when you look at some of these games that we had, right? You know, twenty four to seven against Memphis. You look at East Carolina where it was twenty to sixteen. You look at this two lane game where it was fourteen to ten. Personally, I think that you know if our offense under this quarterback can do a little bit better job moving us into the red zone a little bit more often, you add one to two touchdowns to each of those scores, and it's a lot less of a close game than it was. And, and honestly, that's what we need. And that's what I'm hoping for. I hope that is the case. Because, you know, numbers talk. And that's what the national media cares about. So you're right. It was 14-10 last year. But if it happens to be 38-10, to more power to us. Because that's what the national teams, they don't want close games. If it's a close game, it's like a, like a toss-up. They're like, oh, you know, could they have won? Could they have lost? Could have been any other play. When it's a blowout, national media respects that more. Unfortunately, that's just the way they look at it. They don't really follow the UCF team day in, day out in the season. They just look at the scoreboard. So we need JRP, the tight ends, the wide receivers, running backs, the blowout teams as much as possible. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping, and I really mean this, when we get to this two-lane game, I hope we do blow two I'm not saying that you're saying we're going to blow them out, but I hope we do. Because at this point, we only got two games left, and after that, it's all about that national spotlight, baby. Absolutely. And then moving on, you know, to our last home game of the year, uh, we get our last revenge game of the year, a game we lost last year on the road against the Navy midshipmen, and a game that we probably should not have won, a game that we controlled what I felt a majority of the game until we got to the end and, and ultimately gave it away. Final score being 34-30 to 30 on the road. Uh, for anybody that isn't familiar with watching the Navy midshipmen, they run a triple option offense, which means that they very, very rarely pass. So when we talk about you know quarterbacks that run, uh, you know this is an offense where the quarterback, multiple running backs, receivers, they run pretty much the whole game. It's not unusual for them to finish the game with only maybe two or three passing attempts total. Uh, so a very weird, tough offense to prepare for. Uh, how do you feel about this game? Revenge at home. You know, I'm loving this revenge season. There's only one team I've said that we might lose to, but I feel like we're going to get a good revenge out of this. And uh, none against the Navy. You know, I respect our um, I respect our soldiers and our, our soldiers uh, that are risking their lives. And I know this is just a football game, 
So much respect to the Navy midshipmen and all the U.S. Army and Air Force teams that played. So I got much respect for them. My dad was a veteran, so I don't mean any disrespect by this. But we are going to get our revenge against the Navy midshipmen in this game. It's going to be at UCF. It's going to be a packed crowd. It's going to be a ruckus crowd. The bounce house is going to be bouncing. And I actually think we're going to blow out the Navy midshipmen. So this is a W in my opinion. I agree. I think this is going to be a game that we're ready for. Um, you know, it's not a team we're going to overlook after losing last year. And this late in the season, where we've got only one more game after this, to me means that you know, if we're if we're playing this well, I mean, I don't know if you remember looking through the rest of the schedule, we've picked a lot of wins here. And if we're winning at this kind of clip at this stage of the year, we're we're competing to get into that that conference championship game. And if that's the case, we're not looking scoreboard. We're not looking at the Navy midshipmen in a way that any other way than we're coming in, we're taking care of business. Uh, this is a game I think we win pretty easily, um, and then that takes us to our last game of the year. What are, you, what, what are you talking about? Three out of four away games? No, everybody knows that the USF Tampa is UCS home team, baby. Come on, so this is another home game. Yep. Like you know what I'm saying. Absolutely. I think the NCA should do an investigation against UCF because we got home games in Boca. We got home games in Tampa. I mean, how is it fair that UCF has eight home games? I mean, that's a little bit. Before I think, we I, pick. I think it's a little sketchy, man. Like, come on, NCCA. You better do an investigation. How does UCF have home games in Boca, home games in Tampa? Come on. You know, this is a UCF's uh, Florida's best football team, baby. Let's go. Before we pick this USF game, I think it is important to note what you're talking about. If you look at our entire schedule of 12 games, we only leave the state of Florida three times. Love it. So, I mean, if you're talking about – We've got some tough teams on the schedule, but if you talk about a favorable schedule, uh, you know, our team is going to be dealing with a lot of home fans at a lot of their games, a majority of their games, and I think that's going to really help carry them this year. Uh, you know, going to USF, another thing that's going to be really interesting is the starting quarterback last year that almost beat us decided to join us. Hey, on top of that, let's let's keep it real, man. You and me, we're both from Orlando. We're Orlando, UCF alumni. But we have a lot of, you know, people we went to school with, a lot of people we know. A lot of UCF alumni is from South Florida. We have a lot of UCF alumni in Tampa for crying out loud. And I'm talking about Tampa residents. Not, I'm not talking about Orlando people that moved to Tampa or UCF. Alumni, I'm talking about people that grew up in Tampa chose to come to UCF, and people from South Florida chose to come to UCF. They didn't want to go to FAU, they didn't want to go to FIU, they didn't want to go to University of Miami. They decided to come to UCF. So UCF, I'm pretty sure UCF has more alumni in South Florida than University of Miami does. I'm pretty sure because that's a private institution, and probably more alumni than FIU and FAU. You know, UCF runs. Florida, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, there's Gainesville and Tallahassee. But other than that, UCF runs Florida. So, Boca, might as well call that UCF home game. Tampa, UCF home game. So, we got pretty much eight home games. So, who wins? I mean, oof. honestly, I think they would have had a chance if they had Timmy McClain. But they got rid of him, and now he transferred over to the, the UCF, baby. So, you know, the good guys win, the dark side loses. You know, revenge, uh, revenge. The Jedi win, baby. You know what I'm saying? Sorry, dark side. You know, I think it's important to note that, uh, you know, last year the the USF Bulls ran out Tim McLean, a freshman quarterback. He played a great game. He had a great season, um, you know, and I think he was ready to do more. But USF decided to go out and get a more experienced quarterback in Jerry Bohannon from Baylor. 
uh, Baylor being in the Big 12 championship game last year, Jerry being the starter. I think they're betting on his experience, giving them a better season. I think they have a better season than they did last year, maybe with Jerry. Having said that, though, again, I'm going to go back to the quarterback discussion here. Do I think maybe they upgraded a quarterback a little bit just from an experience perspective? Yep. Do I think that we upgraded a quarterback maybe a little bit more? Absolutely. Yep. I think on the depth chart, we definitely. And so, you know, score 17-13 last year at home. Maybe they get to 20, but maybe we get to 35. And, and now we're looking at another another year where little brother just can't seem to catch up as they wave us goodbye to the Big 12. I'll tell you what. Any other USF game, you know, some fans might have traveled. But I think there are going to – don't be shocked if this happens, that the stadium is fooled 70-30%. 70 UCF. 30% USF. And the reason why is this is the last game that we're going to play USF for a long, long time. I mean, guaranteed. It's not just because I want to or what my choice is. Just because USF has their schedule locked up uh, at least, I think, for the next six to eight years. So we will not play them for at least six to eight years. And then after that, it's not guaranteed because we're not in the same conference. So honestly, this game is sentimental to me personally. I already got my hotel booked. I got the tailgate. Hey, Nightcap Podcast is going to be throwing a big tailgate. You better believe it. Uh, as much food as possible and drinks until it runs out. We're going to be uh, throwing a podcast, so please DM us. Please reach out to us. Please reach Scott's personal cell phone and Sean because we are going to be throwing a sick-ass pod. I said podcast. We won't throw a sick-ass podcast, but we'll be throwing a sick-ass tailgate for that game because this is the last time that UCF can play their home game in Tampa. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, we have we have, we have have stadiums in Boca. We have stadiums in Tampa. But that I-4, you know, it's a nice, easy trip to go to Tampa. And, you know, it's the last time I get to rub it in my sister-in-law's face that we're beating her team school and all those USF. Unfortunate people that I know. I love them, but I don't love them. You know what I'm saying? I, I love them personally, but I don't love the school they went to, I guess. So uh, I can't wait to rub it in their face that we beat them again. What is this record of fifty and zero against USF? What's that? Fifty and zero, hundred and zero, a thousand and zero. Yeah, I'm obviously exaggerating, but I can't remember the last time USF beat us. If, if you know what I mean, it's been, been a while. It's, it's been, been a while. while. It's been a while. It's been a while. But yet, yeah, can't wait because everybody knows Tampa is UCF's hometown to you. Mm-hmm. And so that actually wraps up the schedule, right? So if you look at it, you know, I, I don't think we planned on doing this, but me and Tony both picked 11-1 and one with the only loss being at SMU. You know, I think when you look at the schedule overall, uh, you know, there's a potential for, for a little bit of a range of, of possibilities here. Uh, you know, a couple of the tough games being Louisville, uh, you know, maybe East Carolina, Cincinnati, SMU um, being the toughest games that we're going to play. Uh, you know, hopefully uh, – Best case scenario is we find a way to win them all and go undefeated like 2017. Uh, but Tony and I are very optimistic, sounds like, for a uh, potential conference championship trip. Personally, I think they get there. I think they can get to the conference championship game. How about you, Tony? Honestly, from what I hear from my UCF alumni folks, Twitter Mafia, it'd be a disappointing season if we didn't make it to the championship. And I, I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, this is our year. I think the Gus, the Gus bus is rolling. I think uh, he had one year. Last year was a transition year. And what hell of a transition year, if you ask me, in my opinion. You know, we probably should have had more losses in that season last year. But he took the talent we had. He took Hype's staff. Hype's, not Hype's staff. Hype's, 
highest players. And he did what he's best to get those nine wins. And on top of the charity and on top, we beat the Florida Gators with that same roster. And I love that. You know what I'm saying? So um, I can't mm. even imagine what he's going to do this year. The players have – this is his second year with the Gus playbook. He's brought a lot of transfers in. A lot of top players coming from big-time programs, filling up the needs we need, plus the talent we have. I mean, it's going to be a hell of a season, my people. hell of a season. All right, so before we toss it over to the news and notes and wrap up the podcast, uh, give me a bold prediction for the season, something that you think will happen that maybe others might not predict. Yeah, so obviously everybody thinks ROK is going to be the man and get the most catches this year. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that does happen, but my bold prediction is going to be Kobe Hudson is going to win the most catches. And the reason for that is because ROK has so much hype, so much hype that the defense coordinators of every single team we play are going to be coordinating to make sure ROK doesn't get – they're going to be double-teaming him and make sure he doesn't get plays. Uh, you know, they're going to be focused on him. So, with that being said, Kobe Hudson's a Swiss Army knife, the number one wide receiver for Auburn coming over here. Man, I won't be surprised if he's our number one leading catches. That's a good one. You know, I definitely wouldn't be surprised. He's experienced enough, and he's going to get the playing time that, uh, you know, that's definitely a possibility. Uh, you know, I got one for you that I'm, I'm not sure uh, if you're ready for, but, you know, I think it, it definitely goes with the theme of how I feel about our new quarterback one. Um, I think that this year our team's leading rusher is going to be John Rice Plumley. I think that even though we've got the stable of running backs in Bowser and Richardson, Mark, Mark Anthony Richards and, and all of those guys, uh, I have a full belief in his running ability in, a, in an RPO offense like Gus Malzahn's, uh, you know, that he's going to be able to do it. And I'll tell you why. I think, you know, when you look at the stats last year, you know, our, our, our rushing offense, our leading rusher last year was, was Johnny Richardson. He was one of, our, one of our only running backs to get carries in all 13 games. He had 104 carries for 733 yards, average seven, attempt, or seven yards a carry. Isaiah Bowser uh, was our number, our running back one, really, and would have had the most carries, most yards. Uh, but he only played in eight games, so he missed five. He had 159 attempts for 703 yards, average 4.4, right? So 733 and 703 for those two starting running backs. I think that the split is going to be relatively even between the two. Um, you know, given how good they are, they're going to have to also add Mark Anthony Richards in there, and they're going to want Bowser to rest so that he's he's ready for the home stretch towards the end of the year. Given all those factors, you compare what John Rice Plumlee did in his only year as a starting quarterback with Ole Miss. He had 154 rushing attempts for 1,023 yards, which was 300 more yards than any of our running backs last year when he was a freshman. So if he comes in and he averages eight to ten yards or eight to ten carries per game, I think he easily surpasses all of our running backs in that committee in rushing yards. So with that, that'll end our season preview. I think we're all extremely excited for the 2022 season, and we're predicting some pretty big things for our UCF Knights football team. Uh, please give us a follow uh, at all major at all major platforms: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we're available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, and we will end our episode tonight with our toast of the nightcap. Uh, we will pass it over to Scott for our toast of the nightcap. Thank you, Sean. This week's Toast of the Nightcap goes to Shaquem Griffin. After four seasons in the NFL, Shaquem has announced his retirement. 
He will continue with the NFL in a new position as part of the NFL's Legends program. Night Nation, raise a glass for Shaquem and let's toast him and his celebrated career. Cheers. Let's go!